One man, one mission, to equip the Church of Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit and awaken the Church to the voice of the Spirit. David Cuppet brings to you the School of the Holy Spirit from one of his many missions from around the world, where he aligns with apostolic leaders to eradicate spiritual blindness and reveal the true authority of believers in Christ to prophesy, heal the sick, raise the dead, and cleanse the lepers. Open your heart and get ready to receive all that the Holy Spirit has for you in this week's session of the School of the Holy Spirit. School is in session. All right, guys. Hello. Welcome back to School of the Holy Spirit. Uh, We're going to continue our series called Wisdom-Filled Warriors. I believe this is part 27. Um, I'm going to talk today, continuing on this, this, really this reformation, right? We've been talking about just embracing this new supernatural way of embracing the oracle, the voice of the Lord and the promise of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and the power that he offers to us. And, um, you know, the underlying message uh, through all of this is that the church as a whole has left a lot on the table. The church as a whole has um, not fully embraced the full power, right? There's got to be more. There's got to be a deeper, more uh, dominant force that embraces the power of the Holy Ghost, embraces the gifts of the Holy Spirit, embraces this domination that Jesus promises when he says, go into the world and preach the gospel. These signs will follow those that believe in my name. You will cast out devils, not might. You will in my name. You will take authority over principalities. You will pray in tongues. You will lay hands on the sick and they will recover, right? Those are commands. That's a command, right? That's a that's an expectation that domination is going to uh, be released everywhere you go. And we've been talking about you um, reforming your own life, um, having a reformation where you center your life around the ascension of the mountain, right? You're, you're going to the top of the mountain where the cloud uh, surrounds you and you hear the voice of the Lord coming out of the cloud and you literally are transfigured just like Jesus, right? Jesus, when he took Peter, John, and James up the mountain and the voice came out of the cloud, he was transfigured before their eyes. He was made supernatural by the voice. And that's a picture of you ascending the high place, you ascending in prayer into the high place, taking authority and dominion by your heart, literally embracing the the opportunity given to you to intercede for a dying land as you fall in love with your Father, with the Holy Ghost, and with Jesus Christ in heaven, expecting them to literally um, transfigure you when you hear them, right? And and it's it's not only we talked last time about this war, uh, the the epitaph king that has a destiny of death for you versus this awakening um, of this this reformation in your own life um, and the power of the Holy Ghost that's offered um, to reveal your destiny, right? As the voice of the Lord is heard, the real you is revealed, right? The sons of gods uh, literally um, are released upon the earth and you then take that reformation because 
of you falling in love with the presence of the Lord, just like David fell in love with the presence of the Lord and the people literally left the synagogues and came to Mount Zion where the tent of David was the place of the outpouring of the Holy Ghost and people were getting transformed and healed and the Psalms and the, the, the prophecies were flowing like a river out of David's heart because he was in love. He learned how to ascend the high place and love the Lord and depend fully on the voice of the Lord to speak into his life. Amen. And so that picture um, ultimately is the picture of the reformation of the church. The church will never be reformed if it stays doing what it's done for the last several thousand years, right? Because, so, you know, somehow, um, you know, the, the, the Holy Ghost was poured out on the day of Pentecost. And for several hundred years, this supernatural release of God on the people, this reformation that totally con uh, there was a con complete contrast between the synagogue and the tent of David, right? And and those who walked um, in the Naoth Rhema anointing, we, we talk about, you know, the, the command of the Lord um, where, da where David uh, went to Naoth Rhema, the, the mountain where um, every assassin that Saul sent against David, including Saul, when they came in a certain proximity of the prophecy of the Lord, as David prophesied, it says the assassins stripped off their clothes and so did Saul. Nothing evil could stand in the presence of the Lord, right? And that's the call of the prophetic to be the centerpiece of the tent of David, which is the Reformed Church in the New Testament. Amen? And this Reformed Church becomes a, an army barracks. It becomes um, warrior poets. It becomes literally warrior poets. Men and women, sons and daughters of God, who are in such love with the presence of the Lord, they love the God Himself, not the function of the routines and the systems and the principles that function in, in the powerless system. They literally are in love with the Lord Himself. And this love affair literally causes the Lord to descend upon them and and literally there there is the the presence of God in the tent of David is established as the it is a reformation right it is a it is a new way it is a place of intercession it, there is a standing between the living and the dead there is a um people who hold of uh, the fire of God and the censer right the coals that come off the altar um you guys got all the symbolism right we've been talking for weeks about, you know, you are a salted sacrifice, right? When you put yourself on the altar um, and you go to the Lord as a salted sacrifice, you're giving him your whole heart that you are flavored by heaven, right? And the salt covenant of Christ literally is yours. He says he will be an enemy to your enemies. He will be an adversary to your adversaries, that your children, your uh, fruit will sit on thrones, right? And that he will make you a house, the little storehouse of the Lord, where literally all of heaven is, is at your access. And he transfigures you. He transforms you. He makes you supernatural, right? It's a supernatural call, guys. There's none like it. And it, it requires you literally to recognize most of what you've been subject to in what's called a Christian church in America it looks more like the synagogue than it does the tent of David. You've literally got to lay down and say, you know what, I, Lord, if this is all you have, you know, 
there's got to be more. There's got to be a thirst and a hunger for more, right? And Lord, I want the tent of David. I want the promise that you gave in Amos 9, 11 that says that you will restore the tent. You will restore the tent of David. It will look like nothing that America has ever seen. It will be the army barracks of warrior poets, those who love God. And because they love God, the, the poetry, right? The, the, you know what poetry is in the spirit? It's prophecy, dreams, visions. It literally is the song of the Lord given to those who love him. And you, as you ascend into the high place, you literally are releasing the wisdom of God against the enemies of God. And the enemies of God can't stand uh, bef before the, the prophetic voice. Amen. And that's why the church should be built around prophecy and the gifts of the Spirit um, and not simply principles. The oracle is, is the centerpiece. The voice of God is the centerpiece, not principles. And we've had it reversed in America for a long, long time. That's why most of it's dead. That's why it's dead, powerless uh, religion. Stand up, sit down, say the doxology, say five Hail Marys, say, you know, go through these routines, light a couple candles, do all this religious stuff that is powerless and is actually idolatrous in, in a lot of a lot of cases. Um, and the Lord is calling people in this hour uh to dwell at Naoth Ramah, to dwell on the mountaintop um, and, and, and watch the tent of David be the attraction place where the people literally, because you've fallen in love and have been transformed by the voice of the Lord, so will the people in the dead synagogues come out of the synagogues because they see a reformation. They see the outpouring of the Lord. What is this warrior poet, this place of gathering of warrior poets? Amen. And it's a supernatural thing, right? And so I want to, you know, this, this emphasis, I, I put a lot of emphasis on the, on the voice, uh, the whole, the whole thing the call of the, or, of, of centering the church around the Oracle. We've talked a lot about Hebrews five, where it, where it literally says, um, you have to be centered around the Oracle. Don't lose sight of the Oracle, right? Um, don't let the Judaizers and the Pharisees who try to deaden the church back to predictable doctrines and routines and principles, don't let that be at the forefront because the centerpiece should always be the oracle. That, that's what Paul says when he corrects the Hebrew church, right? He's correcting all the junk that the Pharisee, the Pharisaical system and the Judaizers and um, you know, literally the, the, the fake, the guys who were infiltrating the church to deaden the church, to steal its power, literally were shifting leadership into relying on principle, routines, and doctrines instead of the voice. Amen. And so, you know, Paul, Paul, Paul literally is correcting the church back to your heart, seeking wisdom and revelation. He's, he's getting you to cry out to the Holy Ghost to be Holy Ghost reliant, not scripture and doctrinal reliant. The, the, the scripture and doctrine is needed um, for certain, um, you know, practices and functioning and uh, some theological positioning and all that stuff. But the power comes from the voice. The power comes from knowing the Holy Ghost. And whenever you walk into a place, you're releasing uh, strategy, power, healing, 
supernatural deliverance, right? You were releasing the power of the Holy Ghost into the place where you walk. And so I want to walk through um, a dream and a situation the Lord has uh, gave me um, as he was pointing me to become uh, wisdom and revelation driven um, and shif shifting me to trust in him versus the church system. Okay. And there is a difference. I know people that have gone to church 20, 30, 40 years and all they know is the system of the church. They don't really know God himself. They don't really know the voice of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> in fact, I was preaching, I was preaching in a Methodist church probably four or five years ago um, when a revival broke. I, I literally, I was, I, I was lit there for five minutes to talk about India. Um, and when I started to talk about India, um, a woman stood up because I was, I, I was, I was literally telling the story. And I said, the Lord came to me in a dream and he spoke to me, told me to go to, told me that a man from, from India would call me. And as a result, that's what I do. And, um, you know, this pastor, Pat, this pastor, it's a Methodist pastor. They have a doctrinal theology. They have a system, right? The basically, um, very, very few people in the entire Methodist denomination are baptized in the Holy Ghost and embrace the gifts of, of the Holy Spirit. In fact, most, uh, Methodist churches are absolutely dead, right? There, there is no Holy Spirit. Okay. Um, and so I'm given my five minute spiel because the pa the pastor, um, literally, you know, knows my family. Um, and he invited me, he heard, heard that I was going to India. So I stand up, he just wanted me to do five minutes. Um, and, uh, he wanted to, he wanted to bless me with an offering. Okay. <laughs> this is, this is funny, but, um, one of the one of the elders, a woman um, in the back of the church, she's literally, I'm I'm guessing late seventies, early eighties, you know, very very elderly lady. She she literally stood up in the midst of me telling the story of the Lord calling me to India, and she says, "You mean to tell me, God speaks?" Like she was shocked. I mean, she had this look of shock on her face. And I said, yeah. And I started giving her some scripture and I gave her more examples of the Lord, how, how the Lord speaks to me. And it became like she was pulling something out of me for the congregation. It was, it was an act of God. Okay. Um, and so as I'm speaking, the pastor kind of motions, he's like, keep going, just, just keep going. Well, listen, 10 minutes later, I got half of the congregation at the front of the church answering an altar call to get baptized in the Holy Ghost because they want to hear the voice of the Lord. You got literally, I don't know, I, there was probably 120, 130 people in there. So half the church, let's just say 60, there's 60 people lined around the front of the church and they all get baptized in the Holy Ghost. They're praying in tongues for the first time in their life. There's people weeping at the altar. There's people shaking, people crying. Um, it was supernatural. It was an act of God, right? Um, but I'm, I'm telling you that because there is a hunger inside the church. Even even the, the dead denominational churches, there's a hunger for the voice of God. She literally pulled this, this situation to the forefront because... 
deep inside of her heart, there's this heart cry. You mean God literally speaks? She had spent all of her life, she had spent 30, 40, 50 years literally um, reading about God in scripture, but not knowing the voice that he's real, that he speaks, that he guides and directs your life. He has a plan for you. Amen. And so, you know, that's kind of, kind of the backdrop of, um, you know, I want to share a dream with you and then a story, um, supernatural story, because, um, the voice of the Lord, um, as, as the voice of the Lord, as, as the Lord literally was shifting me from, from understanding about God and principles and doctrines and those type of things, as he was shifting me into a greater reliance of the voice, um, he gave me a series of dreams and, and an experience that I'll, that I'll share here, uh, in a few minutes, but I, I want to, um, talk through this stuff because it, it literally, um, you know, kind of summarizes this wisdom and revelation thing that we've been talking about. Okay. Cause wisdom and revelation is what Paul said that you should, your heart should cry out for. You should be seeking from the Lord, right? If Ephesians chapter one, I, I, I pray that you would be granted the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the intimate knowing of Jesus Christ. And we talked last time of how intricate wisdom is in, in, uh, you know, in Ephesians 3.10, it says that the manifold wisdom of God would be used to literally demonstrate the kingdom um, to the principalities and powers and rulers of darkness and destroy the demonic powers, right? And that goes in line with the wisdom that wisdom-filled warriors would seek at the mountaintop in, in Proverbs um, uh, in, in, in Proverbs 21, um, talking about... Um, you in the at the mountain seeking the wisdom of the Lord and being given weapons that tear down strongholds and destroy principalities and powers and rulers of darkness. Amen. So wisdom is crucial. Wisdom is is the strategy piece of how the Lord literally points you. Okay. And so uh, I'm going to walk through this dream with you, um, and I'm going to tell uh, uh, give you another testimony of a supernatural story. And we'll go from there. But uh, in this particular dream, uh, this dream starts out, um, I'm in a place in heaven and the, and the Lord takes me, has taken me to heaven many times. Um, and I'm in this dream, I'm, I'm in a particular place in heaven that I hadn't uh, been before. Um, and he walks, he, he begins to walk me out of, um, this, this place where, where there's a, there's the castle. Um, and he begins to walk me out into the, to the place of, of what, what looks like a forest. Okay. And, um, I'm walking with Jesus in this new place. Uh, and, and Jesus is literally, he's pure white. Everything about him is glowing white. It's not just white. It's like pristine glowing white. It's beyond white. Everything, like his hair, his face, uh, when he opens his mouth and speaks, everything about him, hands, his clothing, everything is glowing white, like he's transfigured, like he's glowing, okay? Um, and so uh, we're walking through this forest outside of this castle, and we're walking toward a river that's running through the forest, okay? As he led me to the riverbank, he said, I have something to give you today that's powerful. And he knelt down on the riverbank. He cupped his hands and brings the water up to his mouth. Just like in the story of Gideon, where 
Gideon and the warriors, the 300 that, that the Lord uh, used to do this supernatural work with, with a dream. Um, it says that they reached down, they took the water, they cupped it, and they brought it to their mouth, right? That's the way Jesus took water out of this river that he was drinking out of, okay? So um, as, he, as he takes a drink, he instructs me to do the same thing. So I did. So I bend down. Um, I cut my hands. I bring the water up to my mouth. Um, all the while, I'm still looking at him as I'm drinking the water out of my hands that I, that I brought up to my mouth. Okay. As soon as I drank the water, I could see something. Um, you know how, when you look into a river, the glare on the top prevents you from seeing underneath the surface. Once I started drinking the water, I could now see everything that was in the water and on the river bed. Okay. And what I saw on the riverbed was amazing. It was like the bottom of the river was lined with gold. And um, in on the riverbed was everything that's described as what I would call weapons and revelation um, th throughout the New Testament. And per particularly like in the book of Ephesians and, and the weaponizing. I saw, I saw swords. I saw uh, crowns. I saw breastplates. Um, I saw golden books. I saw rings. I saw um, the different gemstones, like they were like they were rocks, but they were actually gemstones tumbling down through the river. Um, there were there were different um, pieces of clothing and different uh, what I'll call a prayer like prayer shawls or cloths. Um, there was just all this amazing stuff that the Lord would give people. It was tumbling um, on the bottom of the riverbed that was lined with with um, like the, the everything was gold as it was tumbling. Um, and then you have these gemstones, all the different color, the 12 gemstones uh, literally tumbling on the bottom of the river. Uh, it, it was just amazing. OK, and um, there was an endless supply of gifts. There was an endless supply of equippings. There was an endless supply of of everything supernatural that the kingdom offers, okay? As as I was touching everything on the bottom of the river, like I, I was, because I could see it, I then was able to reach down and touch it. Jesus instructed me to move everything um, on the bottom of the river out of the way. You know, like if, if you're, um, if, if there's mud on the, on the bottom of a, of, of, of a riverbed and you take your hands and you start moving it aside. That's what I was doing with all of these crowns and jewels and, and everything. I took my hands and I started moving them aside to see what was below the surface of, of, of these gifts that I was looking at. Okay. As Jesus instructed me, um, so I put both my hands there and I start moving. Suddenly I found the bottom of the riverbed. It was glowing with the same transparent white color that appeared on Jesus. It was, a, it was like I said, it was supernatural. It was glowing bright white, supernatural white. Okay. Um, the light was mesmerizing. So I kept moving the golden gifts aside and revealed more and more of the riverbed. It was like I was looking into a mirror. It was... It was amazing. It was supernatural. Okay. And as I kept moving the stuff aside, I, I, uh, I found these words written on the bottom of the riverbed. It says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Okay. And so 
Suddenly, Jesus reaches into the riverbed at this point, and he grabs a handful of the glowing bright light called wisdom that lines the riverbed. He, t- he pulls it out of the water, and he stood up, so I stood up beside him. Angels appeared and began to take the light out of the hands of Jesus and painted my entire body with, with wisdom. Okay, Jesus then began to feed me wisdom. He began to literally uh, take chunks of the riverbed and put it into my mouth. So not only am I eating wisdom, but I'm covered in wisdom. I'm now glowing white the way Jesus was glowing white um, in, in the midst of, of, of you know, the, the encounter. Okay. And so um, suddenly, as Jesus is feeding me, the 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 wisdom he's feeding me the glowing white transparent light out of my belly starts flowing this river so i'm standing beside this river that is supernatural in the midst of the forest and it has all these weapons it has all of these giftings it has all of these callings these gemstones the supernatural stuff of heaven lined with wisdom and suddenly out of my belly begins to flow a river and guess what? It it has what has a it has a glowing white riverbed. It has water flowing out of it, and it has all of these golden golden gifts these these crowns and breastplates and swords and um, rings and and just all this stuff inside of this river flowing out of my belly. Okay. So now Jesus, who I now know is is representing the spirit of wisdom, he begins to speak these deep instructions to me. And he says, he says, there's actually three depths to the river. He says, first, the water is the presence of the Holy Spirit, right? The second, he said, second, um, there are gifts and equippings of the Holy Spirit, which is represented by the the swords and crowns and rings and um, clothing, right? And then he said, third, wisdom is the channel that directs the flow of the presence, the gifts, the anointings, and all the supernatural power of the Spirit. He says, the enemy of God fears the channel of wisdom because it is a torrent to the enemies of God. And he looks at me in the eye and he says, channel wisdom, channel wisdom. And the dream ended. Okay. First off, guys, let's let's just okay. There, the point about three levels, right? There's three levels of acceptance of the Holy Spirit. One is this this presence of God, right? Most charismatic churches they embrace the presence, which is the beginning level. It's the beginning, okay. Below the surface, though, are all the equippings. And all of the giftings of the Holy Spirit represented by the crowns and the, the swords and the clothing and the rings and the gemstones, right? That's a little deeper. Um, and a lot of churches don't function in the equipping. You know why? Because they don't embrace the function of the apostle and the, and the prophet in the church because the, the apostle and the prophet are the ones sent to actually equip they are the ones that actually have a river flowing out of their belly that is that is a supernatural depth of wisdom that's literally harnessed and it is the channel in which all of the gifts 
not only the presence, but all of the gifts, the equippings, the callings of God flow through the channel of wisdom. Okay, and so Jesus, you know, this line, this the scripture lines up. Jesus said at the end of the feast in um, Mark seven, he said, Jesus stands up and says, "Out of your belly will flow rivers of living water." Right? Every one of us have a river, but there's different depths to that river. Some of us flow in just the presence of the Lord. Other others flow in in certain gifts and calls of the Lord. Others flow in channeling wisdom. It's a channel. It literally is a. It it it, it literally points and channels wisdom. Of it, it literally points the river um, by channeling it. And I'm not talking like this new age concept of channeling. I'm talking about directing, being pointed. You literally are the riverbed that that points the gifts, the calls, the awakenings, um, and the anointings of the Lord upon the people of God. Okay, and so, um, you know. Jesus makes this, these two statements at the at the end. He ca- he commands me to channel wisdom, right? That that is, that's a call. That's what I do. The Lord sends me places to re- to use wisdom to you know if people you know people that see me minister and stuff. You know the Lord points me to people. He gives me a download. I prophesy over them, and people that were never baptized in the Holy Ghost didn't know what they were called to do. Didn't know who they are. Um, that's just that's what I do. The Lord, the Lord, it's a personal ministry gift, and and He points me um, in that way and in the directing of the church. Right? What's what's the church facing? What is the church called to do? What you know that that that's just a wisdom gift, and and um, but He makes us He makes a very important um aspect. He makes a, a very important point in the whole picture. He makes a statement. He says um. The channel of wisdom is a torrent to the enemies of God, and we talked. We talked um, about Ephesians three, uh, verse ten, uh, saying that the manifold wisdom of God uh, revealed by the church is literally what tears down and destroys the principalities and powers. Right? Wisdom is actually needed in the church. Without wisdom, without wisdom being the channel in which the presence and the gifts and the callings and the equippings flow, um, it's not. It doesn't get pointed correctly. But if it's pointed correctly, the Lord says it is a torrent. And so, what is a torrent? Okay, a torrent is actually a supernatural outpouring, a supernatural flow, a supernatural, literally force that is so strong that. Um, nothing can stand in its way. And in fact, at the end of, uh, at the end of Isaiah 59, you will find the word torrent, um, in the scripture. And it, and it says that when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Lord will raise up a torrent against it. Okay. I didn't really understand what a torrent was before I had this dream, but the Lord gives me specific things and I go and research and I ask more questions and more revelation comes as a result of the interaction and the discussions I'm having with the Lord. And it's part of the impartation he gives me. And so the Lord's teaching me about the power of the torrent, right? What is, what is a torrent? Well, the the Lord is saying that that, uh, when the enemy comes in like a flood, and no matter how powerful the enemy is, that when the torrent of the Lord comes, he literally overpowers the flood of the enemy, right? Wisdom literally shows up on the scene and dominates the landscape. 
And the picture of this is that whenever Joshua was leading the nation into the promised land, it was actually at the highest flood stage of the Jordan River that that could have been um, given. Okay, why in the world would the Lord say to cross the River Jordan in the midst of a flood stage? And this flood stage, literally, um, some accounts say that the river was a mile wide at this point of this flood stage, right? And so, why? Because the Lord literally parted the waters, right? He literally, um, by his voice, says, go Joshua. And he takes a whole nation into the promised land as he was directed by wisdom to dominate the landscape. The Lord came with a torrent that literally caused the waters to dry up upstream and downstream. And so the whole nation crossed over into promise as the torrent of the Lord was released, right? So wisdom has a timing, a strategy, um, an intent, and a purpose, right? Um, And when you are in the right season with the right message, with the right time for the right people, it is a torrent. The enemy has no answer for it. So I don't care if it's flood stage. I don't care if it appears that there's no way, that there's no answer. If the Lord says do it, it is time to do it. It is strategic. It is pointed. And it is with purpose and intent. It is to um, obtain the promise. You will enter the promised land and own and rule it. Amen. And so this is a very strategic dream, right? It's not only is the Lord revealing a calling and a purpose um, in me, but it's strategic. He, he's, he's driving me to a higher level of understanding the power of wisdom um, as he reveals things to me and points me to do specific things. Okay. And so I want to tell this story. Um, I've told this story a couple times before, but I want to tell it again because it has a very long-term impact that I don't think I've shared before. But um, for those of you who have heard the Panera story, I'm going to I'm going to talk again here, but I'm going to give a lot more detail. I think uh, versus what I've previously shared because in what I previously shared, um, you know, I just gave certain pieces of it. Uh, because of the the moment that we were in, but um, I want to I want to give what happened with the story over over basically a ten year period, okay? And when the Lord back in uh, 2010 11, the Lord the Lord was literally making Himself so much more real to me than the church that I began to appear and look differently inside the church even, okay? And this is what I mean by this. Um, I was taught in the church to embrace the Holy Spirit, but we were principle-driven, okay? With principle and doctrine is what established the, the walls of the church, so to speak. Um, we allowed the Holy Spirit to flow at certain times, but we were not centered on the Holy Spirit. And the Lord was pulling me out to literally shift shift my thought into being Holy Ghost reliant and not just tolerant. If you're just Holy Ghost tolerant, you're never gonna you are never ever going to embrace the fullness of your calling. You are never gonna find your full calling. You are never ever um, going to going to literally embrace the fullness of the kingdom and what the Lord has for you, 
Because he's not calling you just to be tolerant. He's calling you to be reliant. And a lot of you have grown up in systems, church systems, um, where they where, when they claim Holy Spirit, actually what they're doing is just they're tolerant of the Holy Spirit when they want to let the Holy Spirit loose. But how many of you know that's not the way Pentecost looked? Pentecost looked supernatural. It was an outpouring. It was voice-centered. Uh, it was presence-centered. It was uh, it was the outpouring of the wind of heaven. And when it happened, it says they poured out into the streets. They were so intoxicated with the presence of the Holy Ghost that they said, um, you know, they're drunk. They, they, they look like they're drunk. And Peter had to stand up and say, we are not drunk as you suppose, but we are filled with the Holy Ghost. We are led by the Holy Ghost. This is what the kingdom looks like. This is what Jesus died for, right? Um, and he, he, he references that you will dream dreams and have visions. He, he talks about the Joel 2 promise that you will be Holy Ghost centered. And this is what it looks like, right? We're not drunk as you suppose, but we're filled with the Holy Ghost. Laughter, healing, deliverance, people baptizing the Holy Ghost, tongues of fire and prophecy, right? How many of your churches look like that? I would say that more churches tolerate the Holy Spirit and give the Holy Spirit access at moments, but they don't. Let the flow of the Holy Ghost be a torrent upon the enemies of God. Okay, because it's messy. It appears to be out of control. It appears to be out of order. It appears to be something that is not godly. And that's actually a lie from the devil because religion is predictable and controlled. The Holy Ghost isn't, guys. The Holy Ghost is far from predictable and controlled. The Holy Ghost will always challenge your insecurity and inability to trust Him in the impossible place. Because God doesn't call you to do things that are possible. He calls you to do the impossible, which re requires you to be literally His house where you rely on Him to flow this river out of you like a torrent that changes the landscape. Amen. And as, as I, as the Lord was teaching me this to not just be Holy Ghost tolerant, but to be Holy Ghost dependent, he literally, um, I was, he let me become so frustrated because I was functioning in zeal. I was, I was witnessing, I'm, I'm on the street, literally witnessing. I'm telling people and I'm trying to teach them scripture on the street. These people have no clue even what the Bible is. And I'm sitting there trying to quote unquote witness Jesus because I was taught that it, Jesus was the scripture, right? Which he is, but that's not the point. The point is that we are to be Holy Ghost reliant and able to reference scripture to be teaching a doctrine and, and all that stuff, right? Um, but I'm trying to witness Jesus by getting people to believe scripture. And especially when I ran into different denominations, Lutherans, Baptists, Catholics, we literally end up on the street arguing about scripture. And I'm like, what the heck am I doing? This is stupid. This is Who's right and who's wrong, right? And I'm like, I, I literally got mad at God. And I'm like, what the heck is this? This is, are you real? If you're real, you need to show yourself because like, what the heck is going on? And anyway, um, you know, the Lord let me be frustrated for a while because sometimes the Lord wants to prove a point that there is no other. He is the one. 
that his Holy Ghost is the one. And there is no substitute for his voice and the power of the Holy Ghost. Okay. So he woke me up one day <laughs> and he says, I want you to get down to Panera for lunch. They had just opened a Panera back in, I think it was 2011. They opened this Panera. And of course, it's the new restaurant in town. Um, it's packed. It's always packed at lunch. Um, and so I go in. I don't know what I'm doing. I just, I'm obeying the voice, right? The voice sends me down to Panera at lunch. I'm sitting there and there's literally no seats. Um, and there's a couch sitting in front of the fireplace. So I go and sit down in front of the couch and, um, sitting there for five, 10 minutes. And all of a sudden this young, young girl, uh, walks through the door. And when she walks to the door, immediately the Lord begins to speak to me. He gives me this vision. He tells me what it means. And he tells me uh, what she's going to do um, in her calling in life. I'm sitting there and I'm watching. I'm like, all right, how am I going to do this? Am I, am I going to run up there right now? And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm just not sure. I'm just watching. So this young girl, she uh, she's about, I don't know, 20. She might be 20 years old. Um she gets her food. She comes and miraculously she sits in a table right behind me. Okay. Um, and she sits down with, um, a pastor who was a church of Christ pastor who had been for months asking, coincidentally asking me questions about the Holy spirit. Okay. And I'm like, this, this can't be happening. This is like so beyond supernatural at this moment. Um, how in the world does the Lord wake me up, send me to Panera, and then he gives me this vision for this girl. And I'm like, okay, Lord, how's this all going to happen? And I'm sitting there and I'm not eavesdropping, but the Lord positioned me literally to hear what's going on in this girl's life. And I'm sitting there, I'm facing the fireplace, but they're directly behind me, right? I can't help but not hear them. And she starts pouring her guts out to this Church of Christ pastor who is in the denomination that is part of the college where this girl is from and where this girl, this girl's working at a local church of Christ church where she is um, doing some, we'll call it administrative helper. Okay. She's in the office. She's hearing stuff. She's exposed to stuff and she's literally pouring her guts out um, at this table because she's hearing um, some of the questionable things that are being discussed and acted upon inside the office in this, in this denominational church. And of course this denomination, I don't know if you know, right? Like the, the church of Christ, they are zero Holy spirit. They do not believe in any of the gifts of the Holy spirit. Um, that all died, right? That all died when Paul died. Um, and that doesn't exist anymore. And, and they interpret, uh, uh, they, they interpret 1 Corinthians 13 to mean that the gifts passed away and that there are no more gifts. And that, that's, a, that's an actual lie from the devil. But anyway, um, this girl continues and she's saying, I'm ready to quit. I am ready to walk away. This, If this is what Christianity is, I'm done. I'm going to quit school. I'm, do, I'm walking away. And it's at this moment where I felt that it was the presence of the Lord came down over me like a blanket. And it was so, it was like the, the hair of my arms was standing up and I'm like, what's going on Lord. And he says, and it was like, now do it now. And so I literally stand up, walk around the couch 
and I say hi to the to the pastor she was sitting with, and I introduce myself to the young girl. She's got tears in her eyes at this point, and I said, "Here's the deal." I said, "I I don't know if you believe in prophecy or not, but the Lord sent me here to speak directly to you today, and this is what the Lord says to you." And I spoke the vision to her, and I told her what it meant. I said that no matter how desolate it feels like right now the lord has a call of god on your life and you are going to have an impact there's going to be a color and a beauty across the landscape because of what the lord is going to awaken you to in this hour and you are going to literally transform children's lives and that's what you're going to do she she starts to tremble and she starts to shake okay tears are running down her face and she's shaking so bad that she can't contain herself she falls face forward in her salad she's crying she's weeping and i look over at the church of christ pastor and he's 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 in shock okay he's in shock because he he's never seen the power of the holy spirit he's 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 read about it he's been taught their scriptural doctrine of what Jesus is and and what happened in the book of Acts and all that, but he's never seen the book of Acts. And so he doesn't know the power of prophecy and what the prophetic can do. And so he's looking at me and he's like, oh my gosh, what's going on? What what's What's happening, right? And I'm talking to him. I'm trying to get him calmed down. She's weeping. The people in the restaurant are now looking at this whole situation because this girl is trembling and shaking. Her. She's she's literally tears coming down. She's face forward on her tray. Um, so the pastor helps me. We get her stood up. We walk her outside. And, um, you know, I had to go back. I literally had to go back to work. And so the pastor says, I'll take her back to her dorm room. She, she lived on, um, uh, the, the, the campus, um, the local, uh, college campus, um, associated with this church of Christ. Um, and, and, uh, he says, I'll take her back to her dorm and, um, I'll call you, let you know what's going on. Well, I go back to work. I don't hear anything. Um, so five o'clock comes, I leave work. And I drive and I go to the to the local gym, okay? At the local gym, I walk in and there's this guy, a uh, young guy, uh, probably in his early 20s at that time. Uh, his name's Chris. He uh, He's on the other side of the gym and he starts screaming my name when I walk in, okay? And uh, so I walk over toward him. And when I walk in, there's this young guy and a few others um, you know, they're all about 20 years old. They're sitting against the wall, head slumped over and they're crying. And I'm going, what's wrong with that? And he goes, well, he goes, the reason I called your name is he goes, these three guys, they all go to the church of Christ college campus up on the hill. And they said that they, uh, they were summoned to the dorm where some girl that was at Panera got prophesied to by a guy named David. <laughs> and he says, he goes, he goes, he told the story. Um, when he got into the gym, he started telling us the story. And his story was this. He says, he says, they took the girl. Apparently they took the girl back to the dorm and she laid face, face first, face down on the floor and the glory of God came into the room as she laid there shaking, believing this prophecy. 
Okay? And she's, she started talking about the Lord says, the Lord says, the Lord says, I'm going to uh, have an impact. The Lord says, I'm going to uh, awaken children. They're going to be beautiful. They're going to be filled with the Holy Ghost. The Lord says, and, and the kids apparently in the, on the, on the hallway were one, one person comes in the room when they cross through the threshold of the door, the glory of God was so heavy. They fell on their face. And, and another kid walks in the door, falls on their face, and pretty soon word spreads. The whole dorm is literally trying to make their way into this dorm room. And the presence of God is so heavy that every every person that comes into the room is literally overcome with the glory of God. The heaviness of the kabod of God is literally landing on people and they're face down on the floor as this girl cried out all afternoon, the Lord says, the Lord prophesied this to me and the Lord says, and that was her testimony. Okay. And it was supernatural guys. And Chris is sitting there. He's got tears running down his face because he can feel the presence of God. And he says, as they were telling me the story five minutes ago, the presence of God was coming down over them again. And they're all sitting in the gym against the wall, shaking in the presence of the Lord. <laughs> okay. So, the story doesn't end there, guys. Um, I mean, there's so many facets of this story. The word spread on campus. It wasn't just the dorm that ended up in this room. There were there's about a thousand kids that are on this campus. The whole campus is aware of this supernatural thing happening in this girl's dorm room. And people were making their way into this dorm. And pretty soon the glory of God literally expanded out beyond this room and people were laying in the hall face down in the glory of God and crying out in the presence of the Holy Ghost. Okay. And, and the story became so profound that day that le leadership literally was making up stories, trying to say that it's not real. It's not the Holy Spirit. And it ended up, um, it was, a, it was a pretty big deal. It was a pretty big um, thing that the parents and the the leadership of this Church of Christ campus um, had to contend with because they had no explanation for it. It they they contended that the gifts and the glory and all that stuff died with Paul, and all you have today is Scripture, and they had no answer for the supernatural thing that was happening on their campus. Okay, and so the story goes on in the days and weeks ahead. Um, there's this one kid that ended up, um, he's asking me a thousand questions about the Holy Ghost, right? He get he's filled with the Holy Ghost. He's praying in tongues. He's prophesying within days. He's like, he's already made his decision. He's quitting school. Um, and you know, at the time, the only thing I, the only, uh, supernatural school ministry I knew of was, was, uh, out of Bethel Reading. He literally quit school and, enrolled and went out to Bethel. Um, and today is a pastor in Germany. Um, several of these, these kids that had this experience went, you know, quit the, quit, uh, quit the, uh, church of Christ, um, college and literally enrolled in Bethel school of supernatural ministry. Okay. And anyway, there was months of interacting with these kids and, you know, we're, they're coming, they're in my basement. They're, you know, 
They're asking me a thousand questions. We're doing deliverance. We're casting demons out of these kids. Um, they're they're learning. They're 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 baptized in the Holy Ghost. They're praying in tongues. They're beginning to see visions. Everything in these kids' lives are transformed, right? And it was so transformational that over the years, as I was still in this particular city, kids would would come. I mean, new kids would come, and I mean. The last encounter I had with the group of kids from from this from this denomination was actually ten years after the event in in 2020. I was ministering in a church in Marietta, Ohio, um, and um, a girl stands up and testifies in in the middle of in the middle of my message she asked if she could speak and she actually says my parents <laughs> now this is crazy guys but she says my parents were leaders at this church of christ um campus um and she was a daughter right she's a daughter of of the leaders um and she heard the stories and the contrast and she always wondered if it was real. And the only reason she came to church that day is because she heard I was speaking and she wanted to know if it was real. And so long story short, guys, by the end of the church service, she's shaking in the presence of the Lord. She's praying in tongues and her whole world is messed up 10 years after the event. Okay, that's how profound this this situation and encounter was. And, um, you know, hundreds of kids got baptized in the Holy Ghost because of one prophecy, because and I want to emphasize this point and I'll, I'll close the, today with this point that wisdom is a channel. Wisdom flows in a direction, it's pointed, it's strategic, it has intent, it has purpose. And one prophetic word, listen to me guys, one prophecy, one vision from God can change not only one person, but can change can change an entire campus. If and it can change, if it can change an entire college campus, it can change an entire city. One vision of the Lord can can change a state. One vision from God can change a nation. Are you with me, church? And so the Lord used this situation to not only teach me about channeled and directed wisdom. And how powerful the directed prophecy, the pointed prophecy, waiting on the Lord in, with instruction and pointing and direction and intent, being in the right time, the right place, with the right message for the right people, how He literally will pour out heaven if you are not just using the presence of God, if you are not just using the gifts of the Spirit, but it is being directed, channeled, by wisdom. It becomes a torrent that cannot be stopped. No false doctrine, no limitation of, of a denomination that refuses the Holy Spirit could stop the outpouring of the Holy Ghost that day. Hundreds of kids are laying face down in a dorm, can't move, shaking in the presence of the Lord as a girl is saying, the Lord said, the Lord prophesied over me today and he said he's real and she's laying face down and the, gl the glory is filling a literal college dorm room. Okay? And so, listen guys, if he can do it to me, he can do it to you. If he can do it to me, he can do it to you. But I had to get to a point where I recognized 
And he let me get so frustrated with trying to convert people using scripture. And, and a lot of you guys are, can recognize this. You see some of these clowns standing on a street corner with repent or you're going to hell signs that never change. A, they don't change anybody. They, they actually um, make more people angry. You know why? Because it's not pointed. It's scripture and it's true, but it's not pointed. Meaning that the Lord did not direct you to do it. If the Lord directed you to do it, there would be fruit. There's no such thing as the Lord speaking to you and giving you a plan, a purpose, and a, a vision to execute it where there is no fruit, right? In fact, Satan's not even worried about that goofball standing at a street corner trying to condemn people into going to hell. You never condemn people. You awaken them. You baptize them. You give them something they don't have. Fear doesn't save people. The Holy Ghost does. Are you with me? In fact, the Holy Ghost is the, 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 the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, right? The fear of the Lord is the gift that man can't change himself. It is the giving, the impartation of the Holy Ghost. And so the Lord didn't send me into that restaurant to do what I was trying to do before by trying to convince people scripturally and to pull out a Bible and start walking them through scripture to try to change their mind. No, he showed up and changed a girl with one prophecy and did something to an entire college campus that David Cuppet could never do in his own zeal, trying to sit down with people and walk them biblically through scripture to try to change their mind. Changing their mind. People don't have their mind changed by having more indoctrination. They're changed. They're converted literally supernaturally. The DNA is changed by a supernatural force called the Holy Ghost. It's a gift. It's a miracle, right? It's a, it, is a, it is a literal miracle of God. How can a girl that receives one prophecy then carry the glory, the presence of the Lord into a dorm room and change in an, into an entire dorm and campus and change hundreds of people's lives because she believed a prophecy? And in fact, it wasn't even her belief. The Lord, When I spoke the words, because the Lord was using the situation to shift my trust into the Holy Ghost, so profoundly as I spoke them, she couldn't even resist it. She had no, there was no wall. There was nothing that could prevent the fact that the mercy of God was going to reach into this girl and literally shift her, awaken her heart, give her life and say, no longer will you be downtrodden and and hopeless because of this dead denomination that has imprisoned you. Today, I'm going to awaken you, my daughter, and I'm calling you as one who will transform the lives of children. You are going to have an impact. You are going to have a purpose. You are going to do something supernatural, my daughter. That's what, that's what he was saying, and she couldn't resist it. It literally penetrated her heart. That's the power of prophecy. That's the power of the direct voice of God penetrating the hearts of men. And that's what's actually described in 1 Corinthians 14, 24 and 25. It says that when the new people come into the house that's centered on the oracle around hearing the voice of God, it says that they will begin to prophesy. And so as they hear the Lord, as, as their hearts are 
shifted by the presence of God and the, and the gift of prophecy. It says they fall down on their knees, shaking and weeping, saying, Jesus Christ is real. And that's what the Lord taught me. And that's why nothing will ever change my life. There, there is not, nothing about denominationalism that will ever change me and say, you're wrong, David Cuppet. You're wrong. The church should never be centered on the voice. The church should be centered on these doctrines. Well, guess what? Dead doctrines are dead. But principles without the voice is dead. And in fact, without being voice driven, it's, it's, it's semi-dead, right? It, it, the, the church needs to be centered on the power of the Holy Ghost because one prophecy, one dream, one, just one, changes entire campuses, changes the, the entire, entire cities, entire work floors, office buildings. Are you with me? Listen to me. Are you with me? We are in such need of a reformation in America and it will never happen if you guys decide to stay in dead denominationalism. By definition, a denomination is something that chooses a theological position, okay, on, on doctrine, on, on scripture. But Jesus called you to trust in one thing, and that is the Holy Ghost. What if we all came together in the Holy Ghost? Nothing could stop you. Nothing. There is nothing that can stop a person who hears the Lord when he says, stand up and go to Panera. I am going to reveal myself to, to a city. I'm going to reveal myself to a campus and to a city through one prophecy today. Will you trust me? Are there any people out there absolutely in love with the Lord that would say, I want to do that? I want to do that. I want to be the one who hears you so profoundly that I lay down trying to convince people with doctrines and principles and teachings. And I will use the Holy Ghost, the real teacher, to reveal the kingdom, to reveal the power of the Holy Ghost to the people. If that's you, I just want you to, to, to receive this. Amen. Lord, I pray for every person who right now is unctioned in their heart to say, that's me. Lord, I just release a grace on every person that they would literally uh, lay down and wait for the voice of the Lord. That, Lord, you would begin to unction people with direct purpose and wisdom in where you're wanting to point, Lord, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, that it would be like a torrent that, that the, the denominations and the resistance and the Antichrist spirit could not stop. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name for dreams and visions and prophecy to be what is thirsted and hungered for. In the name of Jesus, Lord, that there would be an awakening of reformers, people who would expect you to show up, Lord, people that would expect you to literally walk into the room and change the brokenhearted, to, to heal them, to open prison doors, to literally break the chains that bind the people in dead forms of religion. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name for every person that there would be such a hunger and thirst, Lord, that they would see themselves as war your poets. One one people, Lord, who would um, uh, thirst in you in ways, in, in worship that would make the religious angry, that would make the religious, Lord, unable to even tolerate, Lord, 
this love affair and say either I'm wrong or they're wrong. Lord, let the grayness that's been allowed in the American church, Lord, be separated. Let it be separated. Let this tolerance thing uh, of America that has uh, pushed this message of tolerance of tolerating um, everything that is anti-Christ, Lord, that has infiltrated the church and made the the warriors of God, the lovers of God, fearful from even be, from even declaring the real from the unreal. Lord, all, let all this confusion of tolerance be eradicated right now because people are literally baptized in this supernatural love and dependence on the voice of the Lord. Let this grace, Lord, come upon them all. Lord, that fearlessness and boldness would come upon them because they know that they know that they know that you are with them, that you are real and that you will honor and show up in the place of the prophetic release. Lord, let that grace come upon every person. And Lord, let, let there be hunger and thirst for more. Lord, let the salt covenant, Lord, and the blessings of the salt covenant, that you'll be an enemy to their enemies and an adversary to their adversaries. Lord, let that grace come upon them as they dwell at Naoth Ramah, the place uh, where the, prof, the, the, the prophetic voice of God causes even the assassins to fall down, take off their clothes, and decree that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior of all. Lord, let that grace come upon every person listening right now in the name of Jesus. All right, guys, expecting the supernatural. Keep writing me. Send me the awesome stories and the dreams, the visions that the Lord's given you. And uh, look forward to uh, talking with you next week. All right, have, have a great week and pray in the Holy Ghost. Amen. Thank you for joining this week's episode of the School of the Holy Spirit. For more information or to request David at your church or conference, please go to davidcuppet.org, D-A-V-I-D-C-U-P-P-E-T-T dot O-R-G, or fivestoneministries.org. You can also find the School of the Holy Spirit podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Charisma Magazine. For a deeper dive into the Holy Spirit, we encourage you to purchase David's new book entitled Wisdom-Filled Warriors, available on Amazon. We pray that you will encounter the Holy Spirit in a transforming way and become all that Christ has prophesied over your life.